All things are tweets. All things are tweets. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to SDGC's Game of the Year episode. It's Thursday, January 16th. If you're not aware, although you should be, Super Deformed Gamescast meets right here each and every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we discuss the latest gaming headlines with a wide variety of panel members and guests. We also do a whole bunch of other stuff as time allows, like a separate show about movies and television, pre-recorded content, and a bi-weekly morning show every other Friday. If you've been along for the ride so far, welcome home. And if not, Feel free to stick around and maybe throw us a sub. Every single podcast is archived the next day on our YouTube channel for those who like to watch, and you can find us on all major podcast services for those who like to listen. Good evening, friends and family. How is everyone? It's cold. I'm doing it. It's winter. Yeah, it is cold. It's I'm high definition. Tonight. Yeah, can we can we discuss before we start anything else the fact that Derek looks too good right now? Yeah, it, like, it looks too quality. In I enabled so out of place. I enabled in depth fact, of field mode in the uh, graphics <laughs> options, and um, in fact, game of the I, year is canceled. Let's just talk about Derek. Oh my god, <laughs> his ray tracing is off the charts. <laughs> yeah, Derek's Derek's volumetric god rays are just really. Unfortunately, the lighting yeah. is bugged, and if you turn it up to high, it just goes like. <laughs> no, Derek, I can see why that is an amazing thing on a stream. I think it is really funny when compared to all of our blurry ass shit webcams. <laughs> like you're next I to me fine. on my screen and I look stupid <laughs> and you no. look just clear and, and and luscious in your way. I want to point luscious, out Zach good looks word. good. Uh, like Derek is A tier. Uh, talking about cameras. Derek's yeah. camera's A tier. I'd say <laughs> Zach, <laughs> Zach's B. <laughs> Uh, I give John like a C plus. Yeah. Uh, eh, the rest of us are, are yeah, trash. We're all Finn's lovely people. Finn is having some, Finn is, some connections. Finn in... is having the the traditional SDGC technical issue. It's not his fault. It comes with the brand. Yeah. It does. It does. So before we start, I, I want to, this is the first podcast where I, I've already said it on Twitter, but I'll just say it here. If you're coming to PAX East, please check out SDGC's first ever PAX East panel uh, on Thursday. Uh, it's the first day of PAX, uh, 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, and myself and Finn are going to be representing us on the panel with a bunch of industry friends, and we are going to rate the Final Fantasy spinoffs. Uh, I guarantee you nobody's going to be happy with all of it, which is the whole point. And, uh, but we're very excited because this is our podcast's first ever actual PAX panel, and I am just... I've been beside myself for a week over this, so I love, please. I love, I love how so many people are going to be introduced to us for the first time, arguing about Final Fantasy <laughs> stuff. Like, terrible. Absolutely the worst introduction they could possibly. Have. Is there is there another is there another way? I mean, is there another more appropriate way that people could be introduced to us? I also, listen. who all? So not everybody that's going is on that panel. Who all is going to East? We should say. Yes. Yeah. Um, so my, myself and Finn are going to be the, uh, the podcast representatives on the panel. Justin is going as well. Derek is actually going to be as our producer uh, and seducer. He is going to be. Well, yeah. No. That's just that's just what the man does. That is I Derek know, is. Zach. Yeah. Come on. He's in a committed relationship. That's true. <laughs> that's true. With yeah, but here's the thing. Derek is actually going to be setting up the presentation for us and running the show. Uh, and I'm going to be moderating, so I'm actually going to have the least oh, amount of speech. That's a that bad choice. Finn needs to moderate. Am, wait, am I the only one that has nothing to do with this panel? That's you have nothing <laughs> to do. No, Zach, you're going to be there, right? No, I was never invited. No? Oh. <laughs> 
No what, one wants to hear my takes on how I didn't play any Final Fantasy. I was gonna say Re Reb and Justin, and we're like Reb, like <laughs> you don't even we, like Final Fantasy. We should. I like six, bitch. <laughs> so we have topics tonight, and that topic. Ooh. Anyway, sorry, is I wanted to throw singular. in. I will be at Pax East as well. I yep. will just be working it. So yes. And also, oh, Reb, Reb and I are on a panel together as well. We are. I don't. We can't announce that yet, though. Oh, we can't. Okay. Well, we're not no. on the panel. Don't worry. <laughs> we're, we're the panel. Don't worry about it. Stop. They're playing Halo Two. I have too much editing no to do for this episode. They're playing Halo Two. Why do you have to edit this? This is premium content. This is fine. This is. Fine. I already Zach, left. Sorry, you... Zach. What? Sorry, Zach. I have to see. Yeah, Jeff, Zach. Jeff. We have things to talk about. Jeff, how's your dessert? Oh. Uh, I. I can't. No, no, no. I was. Oh my God. We're not doing this. Uh, I, That's the joke. I'm enjoying, I'm just enjoying a nice little snack. A nice after a dinner popcorn, popcorn dessert. dessert. A delicious dessert. As you do. A dessert. I got a, uh, I got a big ass Toblerone right here. Now this, oh. this is a dessert. You deserve that big Toblerone. It's not a dessert. Big boy season. All right, all right. Sorry, Zach, carry on. So, uh, and also I want to say that, uh, I believe Maddie will, uh, will be in town for for PAX as well for a small part of it at least uh and I think we were going to do a little meetup for PAX that's a, that's actually the uh Zach that's actually the day that Maddie's going to come down is the SDGC right. meetup at PAX right. uh so we will figure out what night that's going to be and we'll tell everybody because I know we've got go some that, yeah we got some viewers go are going to be that, there, so. go to that cool barbecue place that we found oh mm. yeah for sure oh the, that, the, that the one that I didn't go to and you lied telling me it was bad so we, I didn't feel bad yeah yeah <laughs> Dude, dude, those those pork belly burnt ends. Oh fuck! No, what? it was cool. Oh. I was hanging with Media Molecule. It was fine. Rebs I, up I, there I, like I, Kansas City. Y'all ain't. Yeah. Y'all ain't, ain't shit. Ain't dude, that, shit. I'm, just saying, I'm just saying. those those pork belly burnt ends and that mac and cheese. Ooh. Bro, it was some good mac and cheese. Oh, 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 that was some good fucking mac and cheese. So, <laughs> all right. So Jeff, Jeff, I want you to kind of lay the groundwork here for what we're doing tonight. Besides playing Halo Two. No yeah. one's playing Halo Two. Yeah, I'm um, sorry to disappoint everyone. This, sorry, this, Mom. This was a Trojan horse stream. Uh, we're just going to play Halo 2 for two hours. All right, Please. goodbye. Um, yeah, so we're, we're going to talk about our favorite games of 2019. Uh, so we reserve the right to change, change what the hell we're doing at any point during the show. But the plan is uh, we're just going to go around the table. Um, each of us are going to give a runner-up, uh, kind of uh, our second choice game uh, for favorite stuff we played last year. And then we'll do a second round where we discuss uh, the best thing that we played. So I think that pretty much covers it. Zach, is there anything I missed? No. <laughs> and Zach is, Zach's going to talk like that the entire night. It's going to be great. Does that mean... Uh, does no, that mean it does not mean Jeff, that. Jeff, no. I'm <laughs> <laughs> unhappy. I can't. Jeff, I want you Jeff, I want you to, to kind of throw to our first. Who who is going to talk about the runner up first? Uh, Justin, because uh, as as Picha just pointed out in the chat, uh, this show is officially the poor Justin stream. The poor Justin stream. Whoa, Justin just got like <laughs> Justin the size of his head just like he like zoomed in all of a sudden, but it was just one frame. And I, it really I, he doesn't mean your head exploded like an N sixty four cheat code. You came closer. <laughs> It was weird. <laughs> anyway, uh, real quick, Jeff, should we give us like mild spoilers warning for everybody? Like, uh, for, I think for, do your best to not, right? Let's, yeah. let's say some games like my games, it's going to be really hard to talk about them without spoilers. I think we can each give our own spoiler warning 
when we discuss our game. If you're um, deeply invested in a particular game that's being talked about, mute mm -hmm. for a bit is maybe the best idea. That's like, a good idea. Yeah. We'll, you know. we'll try not to go into like the gory details, but we're going to talk about the games and probably talk, especially for narrative games, we're going to have to talk about the story. So, yeah, like if you're trying to stay blind on something big from 2019, just pay attention and, uh, you know, we'll do our best. Derek, before we get into that, Derek, is there a chance in post we could maybe put something in the description about uh, possible spoilers? Like, we'll just flag yeah. them in post. Yeah. Cool. All right, that's cool. I just, we just got some people who listen later, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Justin, what's your what's your second favorite game last year? Okay, so uh, number two was tough for me. I, in general, hate ordered lists of things that I liked. I rather just throw out not restricted to a number things that i liked for the year but usually i have a clear number one and that continued for this year this year when i was like making my big list i had seven number twos <laughs> um and i'm like huh that that probably should change um so i had it narrowed down to two um and i wanted to talk about the one that i don't think anybody else is going to talk about and um one that people might disagree uh, with me That's on. That's the whole point. But um, go buck wild, I'm going to go with uh, Death Stranding for my number two. Uh, and it's a very bizarre game. There's been a lot of takes about it. But it was a game that really fascinated me from the beginning. I, I have been a fan of Kojima's work for a long time. And, uh, you know, this is probably the most Hideo Kojima game that has <laughs> that he's put out yet, for better and for worse. Um, and I like I was I was really fascinated with it for a lot of reasons. Like from like I I really like taking a look at you know how games reflect masculinity and stuff. And I thought there was a very interesting take on that as like a through line throughout this whole story. A lot of it is how like men um you know kind of get isolated and lonely and don't express their feelings and don't like touching others and then you know as time goes on there's a lot of like you know men giving each other big hugs and stuff like that and like there's a lot of you know like shower scenes and you know men being naked in the rain and stuff like that which are usually tropes that are used for you know showing off vulnerability in women and a lot of things and a lot of that was used for men which i thought was really fascinating but also just from a pure gameplay standpoint this game doesn't seem like something i would enjoy i don't like survival mechanics i don't like um do you like you know, balance a, mechanics equipment like balance mechanics? Uh, usually not i don't like you know <laughs> managing equipment and stuff and yet i was really really into the core gameplay of this which i never thought a delivery simulator would be something that i would be into but like unlike a lot of other games that use a lot of these similar mechanics i felt constantly in control and it felt mechanically rich instead of hey this meter ran out at an inopportune time or something i felt like you know oh you had one you know, one trigger was put one arm on your backpack and the other one was the other arm. So, like, you could constantly, like, go back and forth between how you were, like, physically holding your your backpack um, and stuff. Plus, like, I was really taken with the art design and the world. I'm a big sucker for weird post-apocalyptic stuff, which this delivered in droves. Um, and every time the game started to get boring or started to drag on for me, 
it would throw some some of the coolest shit that I've ever seen at me. Um, I I really really enjoyed it, and I thought the story was its story started off weird. Um, but I really liked where it ended up, and it ended up being a more personal story than I expected. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot of little things in it that really resonated with me, um, kind of at the point in my life that I've been in, uh, which I thought was really neat. Like, obviously, there is a lot of messiness. I swear to God, if I see another ad for Ride with Norman Reedus, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, <laughs> there, there was a point where I... Um, so one thing the game does that's also really cool is stuff that you build stays in the world for other players. Um, so there's this really kind of neat feeling of cooperation. And somebody had left a motorcycle in a spot that, hey, this is very convenient for me. And I got on it and it had a Ride with Norman Reedus skin on it as I'm getting on it with Norman Reedus. And he, <laughs> he straight up sa says, this is not a joke. Um, Oh man, this thing should be on ride with Norman Reedus. Fuck yeah! <laughs> and I laughed so hard, my cat ran away. Uh, <laughs> like, it's a, it's such a weird game, and it's so inconsistent. But it's so like it was kind of refreshing to fe play a AAA game that wasn't preoccupied with, hey, we have to have all these features, you know, that will please everyone. Um, and you know, it doesn't all work. But the game really stuck with me and really resonated with me um, Justin, in a way that I wasn't expecting. Justin, you've said a lot of like meaningful things about why the game resonated with you, and I think they're all valid. Uh, I feel like you've really skipped out on the piss and shit grenades, though. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, obviously that Based is... Based the piss and shit grenades. Um, I mean, I obviously made sure I used the toilet in standing and sitting every time well, I had the opportunity uh, like, like you to, make, to make sure I was constantly supplied. Uh <laughs> like you do. This cover... Video games. I mean, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of like just such a encapsulation of this whole like profound, profane thing that Kojima goes in on. Like, there's piss and shit grenades in this really right. contemplative game, <laughs> right? Like I mean, lonely it, game. It's it, it's, it's bizarre. I haven't it, played I, it. I haven't played it, Justin. But Death Stranding sounds like one of those Matthew McConaughey commercials. If, uh, but, but like he parks the car and then just gets out and, and throws shit at somebody. Like, well, it sounds like it's trying to say something really just... important, but. I mean, well, it's, it's a big, like, like I played it too. And I, I did not nearly, I didn't walk away nearly as positive with it um, as Justin did, but, but I think he's right that it, like, it is the most Kojima thing, which is like, um, I think he, I think the moment does have like incredibly high highs. Uh, I just found a little bit more lows than, than maybe Justin did. But I mean, I think you're right when you talk about it, like, like piss and shit grenades, of course, being like within 30 seconds of of a really emotional scene is like of course the most kojima thing <laughs> yeah like, like of course it's yeah it's a strange game but it it's one that stuck with me and i think will stick with me for a while and i'm very intrigued to see how it influences other games especially like other open world games with dealing with traversal and stuff so i've gone on for a while um so who's gonna go next apparently that I, Apparently yeah. Zach's gonna go next. I want to go next. next. I so the thing is, I knew right away today what my number one pick was, but I had to think for a while about my number two. Um, and it's dangerous to think about number two for too long. Um, 
but uh, I I think I ended up landing with Apex Legends. Um, it's a game that I kind of actually haven't played a lot recently, but, uh, I find myself thinking about often. Um, I really like Battle Royale. For people who've been following along SCGC for a long time, uh, right after I joined the podcast, like, shortly after we, were, we had our Game of the Year episode, and I picked PUBG as my Game of the Year, and that was already at a time when a lot of people were kind of over it, um, but it was, uh, Battle Royale just... There's the intensity of that. I, I don't know. It felt like a fresh take on multiplayer. And then I felt like I'd cooled a lot on the genre in the last few years. And then I found that uh, Apex Legends really, really invigorated that for me. Uh, reinvigorated that for me. Uh, and I played a lot, a lot of Apex Legends in the first like two or three months of its release. Um, I loved everything about it. But I, I think the one thing I want to speak about um, is the way it handled communication. Um, you know... I think one of the hard things about playing uh, Battle Royale games and teams is that you have to use Discord, and then it's always hard to call out where things are, but I felt like what really revolutionized uh, the, the genre and really multiplayer games, and I'm, I'm hoping more games take this advantage of this in the future, is the way it had the uh, contextual pointing. I thought that was awesome, uh, and I love the way that it kind of uh, made a slightly more accessible experience for Battle Royale. It took people who were maybe not as familiar with the game or weren't familiar with first-person shooters and made it a really accessible thing. Um, but I also felt like the introduction of class-based characters um, into the Battle Royale genre was, was really refreshing. I also fucking love Titanfall and Titanfall 2, so anything Respawn puts out just immediately resonates with me. I love the gunplay uh, in, um, in Titanfall 2. I mean, I, I, and so, of course, it carries over into Apex when a lot of the guns are the same. But um, I guess you could boil it down to, like, I like the way the contextual pointing works. I felt like it made a game more accessible and more interesting, and it made it so I could get along with people without having to use my mic and be harassed by a 12-year-old. Um, and I also, like, the guns feel good, and that's it. That's kind of the caveman brain logic is the guns felt good. Did anybody else spend a lot of time with Apex Legends? Absolutely not. Um, I, I, early I, on, I, thought, yeah. I liked Apex a lot. I, w I wish it had cross-play, though, so that we could actually yeah. play. I, I'd, play, I'd play it all the time together i have uh like 80 hours in it but i had that there was a really bad crashing problem uh on right when it came right. Out, and it only affected rtx cards so i like couldn't play it for the first month and by the time i was able to play it again people were so good i was like oh fuck yeah just kind of a bummer yeah i think, I think I, it's I, the I, only multiplayer like online multiplayer game other than overwatch that i think i i if i had like friends to play with more that i would play like more often uh, and i hate online multiplayer stuff so that tells you a lot about how good it is yeah, I mean, and, and I also think that like they did a really, really great job creating interesting characters. Uh, like they, they don't, I, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't think any of the characters in that game uh, come from the Titanfall. Like, I mean, they're like in lore, but they're not like existing characters. And so I just felt like they did a really good job being like, hey, here's a, a dozen new new characters for you to learn about. Uh, but also like, I feel like all of them are cool and interesting and um, unlike uh, companies like like Blizzard and Activision, uh, they thought about inclusion early on. They thought about like, okay, but like, what is this character, um, and and who are they supposed to be, and what is their story, and then and then they, they you know they went they went from who a character is and then designed around that, um, and they, I just felt like it was a refreshing way to like show really interesting diverse characters. Uh, my personal favorites, uh, just in terms of like look, is like a lifelong a life lifeline. Uh, Pathfinder and then Gibraltar. Uh, those characters are just super, super fucking cool. But yeah, no, I mean, I loved Apex Legends. Uh, it was one of my favorite multiplayer games of all time, I think. Uh, I don't know. I, I might like it more than I like Titanfall. Maybe. I do miss Titans, though. I like mechs. That's it. 
That's it. That's my number two. Apex Legends. It's a good fucking game. So who's yeah. going next? Who's going next? Who's the? Uh... I think Reb. I think Reb should go. Reb? Yeah, I can. So I feel sort of silly um, because I I feel sort of silly talking about both my number one and number two because they're both games that I have talked about extensively on this podcast before. I know there's at least some crossover with the SDGC audience and people who watched my uh, video game streaming last year. These are both games that I streamed. Um, I also wrote about my number one on games industry, and I pretty much said like everything that I wanted to say about it there. So I feel sort of silly like regurgitating all this. Um, but I will anyway. My number two was Heaven's Vault. Um, it's by Inkle, the same people who did, uh, was it 80 Days? Is that what it's called? Um, but Heaven's Vault, it is this game where you play as this woman who is an archaeologist, and she sort of gets roped into investigating um, the disappearance of this man. Um, but she's this, it, this archaeologist in this world where there is space travel, but it's through this kind of like ocean, like nebula where like this kind of river, I can hear myself and it's really confusing me. Um, there's like this kind of river flowing through it and that's how you get from planet to planet. Um, and it's, it's this whole world with like this really rich history. And the, the main mechanic of the, of the game, aside from walking around and talking to people is, I can still hear myself, I'm so sorry. <laughs> if I'm st John, mute yourself, man. Okay, I don't know. I think that'll work. Yep, that did it. Sorry, John. Uh, I don't know. Um, the main mechanic is you are translating this language. You are trying to figure out what this ancient like language from like way, way back in this world's history is. And you start off with, you know, there'll be like a, a word or whatever. And, and one of the one of the very early ones is like on this planet where there is kind of a history of being very involved with water. Water is very important to their culture. There's like a well, there's a statue of a goddess who's associated with water. There's like all these different water things. And so you see this word reoccurring over and over and through like two or three of, you know, locals giving you the context of what these things are and seeing this word over and over and the fact that it's like composed of kind of wavy lines, you figure, okay, this word's water. And then it solidifies. And from there you, you start getting words you know, as you start translating, you'll have longer passages. You'll have to kind of fill them in, like, with context clues. Sometimes you just guess. And once uh, the main character has seen the same word a couple times, she will, uh, and tried to translate it a couple times, she will start to, she'll either say, you know, I've seen this a few times. Um, I don't think this is right. And it'll be crossed off and you have to try again. Or after she's seen it a few times, like after you've done water a few times, she'll be like, you know what? I'm pretty confident that that's right. And after that, it'll just automatically translate for you every time. And it's just right. And you know it. And it's, it's an absolutely beautiful and interesting story in of itself. But the fact that the main gameplay of the game is language and trying to decipher this extremely like functional language, honestly, um, like as you, at first it's just like very simple things like, okay, water goddess, water source or whatever, um, like really simple things like that. But as you get on, like th there'll be books and texts and there'll be like, like nouns will decline. And so you'll have to like learn, like figure out the genitive case of the noun and what, what little symbol represents a possessive and you know, what things are verbs and what things are nouns. And it's, it's like incredible. You start to develop the sense for the language in your mind the longer you play. And the, the thing that clicked with me at one point that just made me realize that this, I, I know I've told this story multiple times in this podcast, but it was this moment where I found this book on a planet and I brought it up to my spaceship with me. And it was towards the end of the game. And so I already had quite a few words in my vocabulary, like solidified already. 
and I found the book in my ship and I sat down to read it thinking, okay, I'm going to, you know, translate however much this is thinking it'd be like a few pages and then go back to the game because I was near the end. And it just kept going. I started at the beginning and I started translating page by page by page. And it just, it went, I sat there on stream for an hour and a half just translating. And it was so much fun. The music was so relaxing and I was just so in the zone and it was so interesting. And the story, the lore of this universe that I was uncovering was fascinating. Um, the end of the game, I, I won't spoil it, um, but there there is a constant question throughout the game about whether or not the universe is just a cycle that repeats itself or if it is kind of a set path and history is history and you move on and you change. And the protagonist very much disagrees with the idea that history is just a cycle and we're doomed to repeat things. Um, she thinks that we can change our fates and there's there's sort of a, a back and forth there. Um, you can do a new game plus where you take all of the words um, from the previous game with you into the new game. But as you are translating, you discover that all of, all of a sudden, all of the things that you have to translate are more complicated and there are even more words involved. And you can also make different choices your second time around and do things in a different order or see different branching paths or kind of see, make different choices and see it's not it's not a super dramatic change every time like like the game is still the game you still kind of have like set beats you have to hit but there's a lot of context that you can get based on the choices you make and the dialogues that you pursue and the words that you translate and you can i i really i don't have the time but i've so wanted to start a second playthrough of heaven's vault and kind of see where it takes me i just this game relaxed me and fascinated me, and I want more games like it that make me do... I, I, I love games that don't just lean on me either shooting or stabbing or walking or picking up and putting down or talking to people. Like, the main verb of this game was translate. And that's just wild. Like, why is that a video game? It's so good. I loved Heaven's Vault. You should play it. Reb, I actually... Uh, I remember watching you stream that game, uh, and, I, like, it looked... At first, I thought you were playing like a watercolored Tomb Raider. At yeah, first, just, it's so pretty. Um, it's a very, it's very beautiful interesting game. Interesting art style. And it's very zen too. Can I say? Yeah. Like I, I was, I, I, and you, you know what I did actually when I watched Reb stream this uh, a while back is, I, I had it on one screen and I was just sitting here, uh, reading something uh, on the other, but, but, but just, just listening to the ambient noise in the game, the sound of the breeze and the sound of the footsteps and and looking over and, and seeing what it was just, it was very, very calming. And I can only imagine. Nice. Yeah, no. And uh, Reb, is this on, this is just on PC. Yeah. For right. Now. Well, maybe did it come out on anything else? I I'm looking know. it up right now. Cause yeah, I look, look it up it. for me. Um, Cause I, I loved eighties day, 80 days. And this sounds very cool. Yeah, no, it, it was fantastic. I have, I have purchased the soundtrack on Bandcamp and I listen to it on loop all the time while I'm working. Oh, it, no, it's on PS4, PS4 Switch, uh, oh, Switch. and Excellent. Mac. Yeah, pick that shit up. It's so good. It's like... Okay, yeah, I, I will get this when I get some cash. Let me see how long I, pl I played this game for. I can't remember. I think I don't think it was very long. Well, it was longer than I thought it was. For some reason, when I went in, I thought it was going to be like just a few hours long, but I think it ended up being like 16 or 17 hours total. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's also depends. So there's... You can do things, you can do a lot of things in any order that you want. 
Um, okay, yeah, I have 15 hours. You can do a lot of things in any order that you want. Um, there are certain conditions that you have to meet for other things to unlock. So there's like a specific condition that you have to meet in order to unlock the end of the game. But there are also a bunch of optional things that you may never stumble across. You may run across in different orders. They may give you... There, there, are, there are multiple different ways to obtain the information you need to do the thing you need to do to get to the end of the game, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's anyway, awesome. Yeah. Let's have a great, yeah, yeah, I had a great time Love watching that game. stream that too. Um, thank you, Reb. That was a great that was a great rundown. Uh who's who's going next? I want Derek to talk. Oh Derek who doesn't want Derek to I mean, talk? Beautiful frame. I want I, him to talk. I always want Derek to talk. Derek I can, talk. I can talk. Derek. Um I can talk, but after me we have to go to my comfy boy Finn. Um Yes. No, no, no. Yeah, he's here. He's he's I think he's keeping his camera and mic off until it's time for him, I believe. Okay. Uh since he's having technical difficulties, it seems like he moved to his phone. But um I I so I'm in a similar situation to probably a lot of other people on the show. My number one was very easy for me. Um, but picking uh what my runner up for game of the year was, I'm not gonna use the phrase number two. Um picking my runner up was difficult. Um and had to pick between a lot of games, and I think in the end I'm going to give my runner-up to Resident Evil 2, um, yes. which was a hard choice because there was a lot this year that I deeply, deeply loved. Um, but the Resident Evil 2 remake, um, especially having just gone back to it recently uh, to play again and to play with the DLC, um, I mean, I, I don't know. The only thing I could ask for is more. Um, and given that we've got the Resident Evil 3 remake coming out in a couple months, like I'm getting more of that, but <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful game. It runs incredibly well. Um, even on, on relatively modest PC hardware, uh, and it runs really well on consoles. Um, it is a ton of fun to play. Um, the audio design, I, you know, I love, love, love the, the use of Mr. X as an environmental hazard who you have to avoid. And like, if you kind of learn how his AI works, he stops being a big problem. But the thing is you can, the, the use of the positional audio to keep track of him, uh, you know, this, this kind of stalker character throughout the police station, um, is really good. Uh, so good. It's, it's just, it's a scary game that is not so scary that it's overwhelming. Like you can't continue. Like I've had a hard time with games like alien isolation and, uh, outlast, uh, at like kind of overcoming the barrier of like, nope, nope, nope. I can't do this. I can't play this game. Uh, I don't alien have an option isolation forward. Really got to me with yeah. that. Just, like this almost isn't fun anymore. The, like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life under this cot. The end of Soma was really bad for that. Uh, and I think resident evil seven at times you, if you didn't really understand kind of the rules of how it worked. Um, it felt a lot more claustrophobic and tended to do that. But Resident Evil 2 found this great mix between, um, you know, the the horror and the atmosphere and the surprise uh, with letting you feel confident in your abilities to go forward. Um, and it's, it just, it it's, it's everything I loved about Resident Evil 4 back in the day, where it's just this perfect blend of a lot of different really good design elements, which makes it like a perfect high-grade like popcorn game. Um, it's so good. It's yeah. it's just so good. And we've got Resident Evil 3 coming in just a couple months. So, I mean, I'm sure and, that we'll, be, we'll, be, we'll be doing this again. 
Derek, you've just said a lot of really smart things about Resident Evil 2, but can you bring it down to the caveman level of me, which is, do the guns feel good? Oh, the guns, the gun, it depends on the guns. Um, but the guns feel good. The problem is that the zombies, uh, I, I actually like the Resident Evil 2 remakes, uh, zombies, and I guess how they're going to treat zombies maybe moving forward more, where they're just super, super resilient, and even a single zombie can just take you know, bullet after bullet after bullet, you know, headshots don't mean anything. Um, they're just invincible. Like we're used to no, zombies. You're not going to give a shout out to the gore in the game. I mean, yeah, yeah it's a very gory game, but when like, you, when, like you, when you get some of those headshots, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. the headshots are not really what, what are, what are, what it is to me more is like, because going for headshots is a poor choice on these zombies because it doesn't do anything to them, really. Um, you need to be... I mean, unless you hit them with, like, a shotgun, what you need to do is you need to... It's almost more like Dead Space. you got to take out the legs, and then you, you can take out the arms, and you're basically, like, you know, yeah, kneecapping the, the joints, and then they, um, you know, are just kind of crawling. Or, you know, you turn them into a little stump wiggling on the ground going, uh, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but, like... I just I like the idea that we've taken this this horror monster that is such a joke like zombies are the generic weak sauce horror thing and a single zombie is a big deal in Resident Evil 2. Um, is this is this a good game yeah. overall? I I literally cannot think of any way I would improve it other than to have more of it to play. I I think and Derek this is your thing and I'll 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 keep it brief but like I feel like so much of like what makes Resident Evil like such a triumph to me is that we've just had like almost a decade of like. Uh, the Walking Dead really like desensitizing us to like the horror that zombies are supposed to represent, um, and I feel like still like like you're saying like just a single zombie being scary is like such a big deal after a decade of it being like uh, I don't know like pop like you're saying like popcorn I don't I don't know it just yeah yeah so so zombies know. have become very commonplace and Resident Evil kind of contributed to that right because Resident Evil became right, yeah. like goofy it became like the bad movies uh, yeah you know and instead like Resident Evil Seven and now Resident Evil Two and it looks like Resident Evil Three are kind of becoming a little more serious a little more horror oriented a little more um you know they're they're refinding that balance um. And that's that's just it's a good place to be in, you know, a good balance between silly and serious and scary, but approachable. Like, you know, it's not it's not here to scare you so bad you stop playing the game. It's here to spook you while you move through it, you know, and that's that's a hard balance to strike sometimes to actually get people kind of scared, but not break their spirits yeah you know i'm fucking alien isolation like god <laughs> so so yes resident evil 2 is my uh my second that's a great choice finn are you are you there buddy give him a second he might need to turn his phone on yeah there he is about there as i can be yeah <laughs> you're here and that's all that matters finn buddy tell us about your 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 runner-up my man um our runner-up is Disco Elysium. Ooh. It's, uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> let's see. It's, uh, I, I committed to no spoilers on this since so many people still haven't experienced it and that spoiling anything in this would be a crime. So I'm just going to keep it nice and generic. Um, one of the most in-depth and involved RPGs I've ever had the pleasure to experience um, every line of dialogue it, it's the first RPG that has ever made me crave to read every single line of dialogue it doesn't matter what the, the flavor text 
just the, the, the way you speak to yourself, the way level ups work, the way every mechanic and system in the game works together. Uh, I love the noir-esque just aspect of the game. I like how you can play the entire thing pretty much non-lethally if you want. Uh, just, man, the graphics are, are, are unique enough to stay memorable. I, I don't even... There's yeah. not combat in the game, right, Finn? Is there combat? There is, but you have to go out of your way. Yeah, it's a dice that's, roll to do it. That's disco. That's my game. Oh, okay. yeah. I love it so much. Finn, you could talk more if you want about it, buddy. No, I'm good. All right, fine. Thank you for that, Finn. Who's going next? Uh, I could go. Go, dude. Sure, fine, I guess. I, I'll allow it. You've already gone, Zach. <laughs> I want to get my number one now. Um, I just want to preface mine with saying, uh, so one of my games isn't actually a 2019 release. Um, I only played, just looking at my list here, I only played six new releases uh, last year. Who cares? Year. We make the rules. Exactly. Fucking exactly. Reb, Reb with the we facts. We don't have a game of the year police in here. That's right. Um, I only played six new releases, and I didn't even like half of them. So uh, if I went by that, my top two would literally be the two games I played last year. So uh, with that said, my runner-up, which uh, it's funny. This is the opposite of all you guys. You all said uh, it was easy to pick your number one game, but your number two is hard. Uh, I knew immediately um, what my top two games were because nothing else this year and actually nothing else in the past decade uh, really came close. Um, my For the longest time, my top two games of all time were The Last of Us from 2013 and Final Fantasy VII from like over 20 years ago. And last year, I played uh, two games that unseated both of those. So my runner-up is one of those games, and it is Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, mm. This game completely, completely sucked me in. Uh, I, lo I love Grand Theft Auto, but it's really fucking stupid, and it's really goofy, and everything I like about it has nothing to do with the characters. Um, it's amazing to me. I know it's satire, but it's amazing to me that the same developer can make a game like Red Dead Redemption 2. The writing... And dialogue in the game is so good. The voice acting is so good. Everything feels uh, so natural and so well delivered. Um, the world is so organic. All the I know people. I was completely tuned out of the discourse because I didn't. I waited for the PC release, so I didn't even read anything about it for you. I didn't even know how people felt about the game beyond a few like I caught wind of people didn't like the controls. But um, I like the way the game feels. I like the weight. I like the heaviness. Uh, it, again, it just made me feel. It made my inputs and character feel connected to the world, whereas some games, like I'm playing Final Fantasy XIV and I'm hopping around on tables and stuff like that and just, like, clipping through walls. Like, you know, like it, it's very video gamey, but I felt like Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, I re it just really helped with the immersion and helped sell me um, on just existing uh, in this story. And I, I can't go into too many details without spoilers, which is too bad. Um, you know, I, I will say... Arthur Morgan is, you know, this is something I have probably have to sit on for a couple of years, maybe more. Right now, I want to say Arthur Morgan is probably one of, if not the best protagonists I've played um, wow. Bold. in a game. Bold. It's, he's 
it's such a fine line trying to write an anti-hero and i don't even know if you'd classify him as that they never try to give justification for the bad things he does uh it's they just present you with this person uh and they do good things and then sometimes they do uh bad things and there's it's it's just like so natural like i keep saying that word natural but that's how i feel about the game like uh, it doesn't feel black and white like a Mass Effect mor or infamous morality system, right? Like, he he will, like, rob someone blind or beat the shit out of them. And you actually have quite a bit of agency with this, too. But then he'll kind of take pity on, you know, someone and help them out. And, um, the, again, just the way the game sells you on his character and how he slowly realizes, like, well, fuck, I've been a complete asshole my whole life. Um, you know, maybe it's about time I did something good with it. Uh, which I guess, you know, is maybe the theme of the game. But um, and the last thing I'll say, which I will say is uh, a minor spoiler. If you really, really care about going in blind, um, maybe just tune out for the next 30 seconds here. I'll go real quick. Um, but you do play as the protagonist of the first Red Dead Redemption for a period of time in this game. I won't say where, when, or how. And jumping between those two characters I thought was amazing because uh, this character coming in, I was like, wow, there's no way Arthur could be more interesting or uh, more memorable than this guy. And it made this other character feel like a complete, like I was like, give me back Arthur. <laughs> like, wow. uh, it just, it was just amazing that they managed to up the level uh, of investment in that. Um, and then of course, all the obvious stuff, the game looks astoundingly good. It is a very beautiful game. I'll give it. The audio, that. the music is just the presentation, as you'd expect from uh, the company that just uh, produced the game that sold the most copies of the entire decade. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not. It was dollar sales. It was dollar yeah. sales. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, but. But probably yeah, yes, copies too. Yeah. Um, that's so. I don't know. I don't really have anything else to add other than that's. Uh, that's a game that's going to stick with me for a long, long time, and I, I just. Yeah, I'll never forget it. Awesome. Dude, John, so I, I think guess, you're I guess yeah. it's, is it me? Okay. Yeah, you're last. Yeah. <laughs> so this was, a, this was very difficult for me. My number one was easy, but my number two was extremely difficult, and I waffled back and forth between several games. Uh, Fiber helps. For a while, yeah, right, yeah. Um, fi finally, I got it out. I got that number two out, finally. Um, it's... Uh, going in jail, John. <laughs> no, no. For no a cops. while, no cops. For no a while, cops. for a while, it was Resident Evil Two, uh, and then for a while, it was Link's Awakening, uh, and then I was like, oh, you know what? It's got to be, it's got to be Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. Uh, but I don't really like that's, and I didn't want to give it to an expansion as much as I love Shadowbringers. Um, Link's Awakening didn't, you know, I love that game. I've played it three times through already. But aside from much prettier graphics, it's no, it's basically. Link's Awakening and uh, Derek already covered Resident Evil 2. Um, as much as I love that game, I had to give my runner up to Luigi's Mansion 3. Ooh. Um, because, you know, 2019 was a rough year for a lot of reasons. And I needed a little, I needed a little wholesomeness. And you really, you really don't get more wholesome than Luigi's Mansion. Um, you know that part that that uh, when you when you find the poltergust and you are you're screwing around with uh, Polterpup, I must have stayed there and played around with him for at least twenty minutes and just watched the little reactions on his face as I was blowing air at him and bopping him up in the air. Um, but like, you know, 
without saying really anything in English, anything that you can actually understand, Luigi is one of the most emotive characters uh, in this entire generation. Um, I love his little his his little murmurings as you're wandering through the mansion. He's he gets so he's so scared, but he's so brave at the same time, and he wants he just wants to find his friends. He wants to find Mario. Uh, and one thing I love about um, one thing I love about Luigi's Mansion Three that I didn't love so much about Two uh, was that um, as opposed to splitting the game up into six distinct locations, uh, Luigi's Mansion Three goes back to the structure of the first game and just makes it one big interconnected level. Uh, there's a little bit of backtracking. It's a, and it's a beefy game. Like it took me almost twenty hours to get through everything. I got all the booze. I didn't get all the gems. Um, there's booze in this game. There's booze oh, yeah. in this game, and oh, uh, yeah. You, oh, oh, there's dude, oh Zach. There's motherfucking there's some motherfucking booze in this game, and uh, and they're hidden. You got to go through and find them. Uh, you you know you battle them and then you catch them. Um, the hotel itself has so much personality. And can we please the bosses in Luigi's Mansion Three are some of the fucking best I played in 2019, especially. The piano boss. I I think it was like the third or fourth floor. The pian the piano boss is awesome. The piano boss is Justin. The piano boss is so fucking good. I and I mean I I was also partial partial to the one after that, but that but one dude, was like, made just for me. Dude, that like when I played the piano boss, like I, I was like this game fucking slaps. I was like this game fucking <laughs> rules. Um, the uh, oh and there is a sand level in this game where like i realized you could suck up all the sand in your vacuum no, and i went happens. through i Reb, said i told you on twitter that nothing happens i told you ahead of time Reb, i still had to do it no, i still didn't. had to do it Reb. no you did not i i didn't know my brain was like john you have to get every you had to last soothe the brain gremlins you, you, have you can't to... even because it keeps pouring out of the vent I just, I just can't. I know, and eventually, after forty-five minutes, Reb, forty-five minutes, I, I was. I do understand room, because I did it. I, you, you don't understand. <laughs> I, I do understand. Guys, I, 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 I did it too. Like I don't. I know everybody knew too, but we all did it. Yeah, there was, there was absolutely a point about halfway through when I had like all the gems and I had clearly gotten all the treasure in the room, but there was still like all this sand in the corners, and I'm like, I've gotten everything. I need to be done. No, I'm not done. You know, oh, oh, and Reb, I know you'll agree with this. In Luigi's Mansion 3, when you die, it's fucking horrifying. Oh, it's really scary. I your, don't like it. Good night. Your fate <laughs> is terrifying. Good night. Like, fuck no that, good. dude. You, uh, oh, no. But, yeah, Luigi's Mansion 3 uh, was What do you just... mean? I'm a pro gamer. I never died in that game. Uh, did you pull a pro gamer move, Reb? No, I definitely died okay. in that game. Leave me alone. But Dark uh, I, 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 one last thing I'll say about Luigi's Mansion is that this game is probably the best looking game on, on Switch. It's pretty. By far. Yeah. Like, it's the pretty. first game that I've seen on Switch where I'm like, this, I would, if I saw this on an Xbox One or a PS4, it would look at home there. Like, it, it was just, it's just a gorgeous fucking game. I, I do um, everybody... wish we had seen more of the mansion in the daytime with the sunlight filtering. I in. do too, yes. Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty, I agree. Pretty. Completely. So everybody quote out of context John saying Luigi's Mansion would look at home on Xbox One. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the I'm game is going to be so pissed. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, Gooigi, I loved it. Good edition, bad edition. Luigi is great because he... Um, he great. For, yeah, for the, for the most... 
For the most part, for the most part, uh, Guiji adds some really interesting mechanics to the game. Uh, that I, I will, I, I will say this: um, there are some, there are, there was two or three instances where it is really not apparent that you need to be using Guiji, and that leads to some frustration. So I feel like the game could kind of give you better clues as to when, like, okay, this calls for a Guiji situation, especially um, certain parts of the final boss, which I won't talk about um and really? also yeah like final, yeah final I, boss or second to final boss maybe it was the second to final boss um because i love i i mean i different things click with different people that one clicked with me very quickly and i thought that fight ended up being brilliant as a result are you talking about the final boss no i didn't think you needed i mean you needed Luigi for one part of that boss but it was a fairly i thought that one was sort of straightforward i might be th- I, maybe i'm thinking about a different boss um but the Top only... level and bottom level? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. the second to last one. Okay, right, okay. Um, yeah, I love I, that. I, I thought that was great. Oh, that, I could that, that I, was I my... see why that. I, I didn't like that, and the only other... The, the only the game I didn't like was the basement. Uh, was, Wait, was me not... too? Me I too? can't understand. Yeah. I can't understate how bad that... That oh, level I... was so bad it that wasn't I great. haven't gone... I, yeah. Not great. <laughs> not great. I... I mean, the good, the good thing is that the the thing that makes B two bad is goes away after you finish that level. Yeah, and yeah, like it's only an issue. The level is entirely for... functional without that thing. Yeah, like one hundred percent functional. You can go through and get you. You can't even get most of the collectibles the first time when that thing is in there. You have to go back when it's gone. And when you're just going back and exploring it on its own, it's fine. But that first time, it's Oof. it's just the the controls do not work for the thing at all yeah i was i was so frustrated oh my god but yeah no uh luigi mansion 3 my my runner-up for game of the year it's a that is a good take for some reason yeah john try again i do i do that a lot <laughs> people are always so shocked so, let's, so now we got to start back at the top of the list does do we remember the order we went in yeah i so i threw in chat justin you are our first to go justin i i would love to hear 2019 had a many, 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 many good games. I want to know what resonated the most with you. What is your game of the year? Well, my number one probably isn't going to surprise too many people that have followed me on Twitter um, or in our Discord, but it is Control from Remedy Games. I fucking adored everything about that game. Um, uh, From the writing to the gameplay to the design, um everything just like it is one of those games that i just played where it felt like somebody made it just for me like like i am the target audience for this game um like never before have i played a game where um like anytime i found you know a little collect like piece of writing or collectible i got excited i was just excited for that as things that actually like upgraded your character um i i was obsessed with the writing and world building in this game um the arc the brutalist architecture design of the oldest house is it's like unnerving like the game is at its most unnerving when you're in a regular office setting as well as and you know it just constantly shifts and change changes it's really dreamlike um 
you and like you really never know what you're going to see um and the game just has like like it doesn't take itself too seriously but it also doesn't like undermine the serious moments with like unnecessary jokes or anything like it hit a pitch perfect tone um going through and it's just the combat design is so empowering um from like the way your gun works to the way uh the powers work um by the end of the game you can pick up entire forklift throw them across a room smashing all these desks along the way it hits a wall and explodes and sets concrete and papers and everything all over the place and it just it just felt so good um does that count as being a forklift operator yeah, yeah, it does. Yes, it does actually. I, yeah, no, that's the law. That's canon. Um, but um, yeah, like if you're a fan, like it, it takes so much inspiration from like David Lynch, um, from X Files, from Stephen King, and blends them in just such a such a cool package. Like everything about this game is cool. Um, and it just felt really fresh um to me because i hadn't seen like these individual mechanics may not have been all that unique but i had never seen them combined in this way and in such a high quality way like there's tons of like optional bosses and stuff too which i thought were some of the like they were hard but also some of the coolest things in this game like there's a lot of really neat optional stuff um in the game uh aside from just the main story um and you know, I won't go into too many details, but we've already gotten some exciting DLC promised coming this year. Uh, that after playing, I am super amped for. Um, I really want to see more of Jesse. I really want to see more, of them, and um, I, I really think the game is absolutely worth a look. I and plan on getting to it eventually. There's just so much to play. It, it's, I loved it. It was in my top one five my, for the year. It's like a yeah. fantastic game. It's one of my favorite moments of the generation. And like, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the ashtray maze is mm. one of the all time great game uh, like moments in a game. One of the best moments of this generation. I think was the single best moment in a game this you know, year. It just, put such a huge smile on my face when I was playing it. I, I have heard the I have heard the ashtray maze being held up to the standard of like the Clockwork Mansion and Dishonored Two. I mean, it's 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 different. Like, it's different, but I'm just it's, talking it's about a very it's different like, type of yeah. thing. It's a different type of sensation for me, but it was one that I hadn't seen executed well in a game before. At least not as well um as this was uh and just again another one of those little things that felt like it's like oh yeah i'm gonna really like this um, i'll say i didn't like control as much as justin um but ashtray maze uh i felt like that was one of the few things recently that's been hyped up along with cause and effect from titanfall 2 and um uh was it the um Oh man, I'm having a. Anyways, like there was other parts of games I felt like were hyped up. Oh, and the Clockwork Mansion, and I got to them and they were good, but they didn't quite like meet that expectation. Ashtray Maze, I finished that. And I was like, yep, that was as good as everyone said it was. I I do want to add, like I I had, I realized that this had been an angle that I had had in the back of my mind, but hadn't really like 
super thoroughly explored. Um, but Gita Jackson at Kotaku wrote this article um, earlier this month called The Sexiness of Control. Um, and it's a really good article. Um, it was, yeah, that was a neat, it, that was a neat piece. It's a really neat angle and I, I get it. Um, it is, con- basically the angle is that playing control and being Jesse Faden feels really sexy and she is not a sexual character like in the traditional sense, but she is sexy and, and, and it feels sexy to play this game because she is a woman with power. Like she has, I mean, it's the name of the game. She has control over the, she's like throwing shit around. She has this cool ass gun. She has like control over this bureau. And it's a really good piece. And I encourage you to go read it if you just like want a different way to think about control. Because it it was something that I had not explicitly thought of. But when I read it, I was like, yeah, this game felt good. And I I, I identify with these feelings. This is great. Um, And especially just being a woman who plays games um, I mean, I, I think we've mostly gotten out of the realm of big AAA protagonists being, you know, big titty women or whatever. But I, it is not common to feel like a, a very powerful woman in control of a situation. I think Horizon Zero Dawn probably did that pretty well, too. Um, but this was this this was a cool game with a cool feeling. I will actually link this article in the chat because yeah, it, it turns it's, out it's... that Googling control sexy does not get you <laughs> <laughs> There's some Big really works. cool articles about uh, yes. control out there. That was a really that was a really neat angle. And um, there's some really good ones on like the architecture and the writing. Like it's one of those games that I have loved to read about because people have had like vastly different takes on what they loved about this game, which I think has been kind of rare in a lot of like in-depth games writing lately. Um, and it's it's really cool to see the different ways people love this game. I I think like speaking to both of your points, like I feel like control worked for me, and, and like both been Jesse as a character, but also the game itself is like it just was like Remedy is at their most confident here, which is wild to see after them like get their lowest reviewed game of all time with Quantum Break. Um, like it's weird to see them follow something so so confident, but like it carries over into the character design and the world design, um, and even like their willingness to be like, yeah, a lot of our explanations are gonna be in fucking pieces of paper that you're gonna find around our world, and you're gonna fucking like it, and they will, and like and it works. It's yeah, it's an incredible game. I'm glad you highlighted it. So Zach, it's you. I, I believe. Oh. I believe it's your turn to yeah, go. Yeah, Jesus. Number one. You're supposed to segue right. into your fucking shit. All right, there. I was supposed to segue, but I, I didn't. Um, I kind of want to go back to so so it was Finn's number two, but my my number two is or I'm sorry my number one, my game of the year for 2019, uh, is Disco Elysium. It's not um, Gears. It's not Gears. It's not Gears. It's not Gears. I like Gears of War five a lot. It's like Gears of War five uh, was good for a Gears game, uh, <laughs> but um, I love Disco Elysium. Uh, I thought it was really really thoughtful, um, and it's a game that I find myself thinking about on a weekly, if not daily, basis since its release in October. Um, Disco Elysium, uh, keep it brief for people who, who have somehow miraculously dodged uh, what this game is about. It is a point-and-click adventure meets, like, uh, uh, isometric uh, 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 pen-and-paper RPG with really, really dense writing. Um, but one of the things I, I loved about it was the way it blended uh, some, some D&D aspects um, with some of the quest structure that you might find in a traditional video game RPG. Um, but rather than having, like, character companions, you kind of have um, 
internal thoughts that uh, you kind of play stats into at the beginning of the game. So think of the traditional RPG that you play where you put stats into your strength or, or your intelligence. This game breaks those down a lot further uh, into like, I think like six or seven various things based on like physical strength, uh, emotional intelligence. Um, uh, there's like four, four major categories and then a bunch of ways to break it down from there. Um, and then those end up being voices that your character considers in dialogue. And then they kind of give you avenues to which you can kind of pursue different leads. Uh, but it was like this really, really interesting uh, way to kind of uh, uh, put a new put a new take on, on pen and paper RPGs. Um, and I kind of just found the character to work. It's weird. The game shouldn't have worked as well as it did for me. Um, it, it is based on a trope, which is like, you're playing this character who's had a long career and then has amnesia suddenly, uh, <laughs> that shouldn't work. That shouldn't work. Cause like, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a trope. It's absolutely a trope. Um, but the way it, it, it kind of was about a, a cop who had, uh, after decades of, of working cases, um, had just, uh, uh, was on a very, very long bender, uh, between, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, um, and the way your character, how that colors your, your output on the game and, and the world you're interacting with, but also um, how you can interact with the systems is, like, really smart. Sorry, I took notes because I didn't want to miss anything. I, I no, that's I good. Saying. No, that's, that's um, great. Also, I'm, I'm allowing one cop, that cop specifically. Yeah, I, I was wondering when Rev was going to speak up about that. Cop, <laughs> well, and, and I guess I, guess I want to talk about that because this is where you play as a cop, but it's written by people who um, understandably and reasonably and in a way that I deeply appreciate, are incredibly uh, skeptical of how authority works uh, in society. Um, and, and you play a character who, like... So one of the biggest issues I have with RPGs, and I think it's really common now, especially in the last few years, is people want to play an RPG where you can project yourself into a character, um, and you want freedom, but you also don't like... like I, one of the things that's, that really puts me off is, like, if I can pull really far to the left... It can bother me when a game is like, yeah, if you want to be a leftist, that's cool, but also you can be a fucking Nazi in this game, and we're not going to judge you for it. And, like, that's fucked up. Like, you should probably fucking judge your player base if they want to play as a fucking Nazi. Yeah. And this game does that. Uh, and Disco Elysium takes it further, which is to say, like, it's critical of every of every political standpoint, but but obviously some more than others, and, and fucking fascists get called out. But something that I also appreciated was its willingness to, to point out every time you decide that you want to make a centrist take. Uh, like, like the game would be like both sides have have pros and cons, and I'm really intelligent. Would be like I think like a prompt the game would give you because it like wants you to like address it. Like yeah, of course you're trying to find the fucking the the middle ground here. Isn't um, there isn't there like a trophy or something or like an achievement that's yeah, like so, bullshit so like, centrist or something like that? Yeah. So there's the person you are in the game, and the game will kind of you kind of way you play but then there's also like the, the type of cop you are so uh natural to to my true self as people in the podcast know maybe not people who watch but people who, who who are in our dm um i got labeled as the sorry cop because i apologize constantly <laughs> um really which, which is funny so so like, so like but the prompt is like you're the sorriest cop constantly apologizing never willing to take charge and like which was like a really cool way that you could kind of inject yourself into it um, I've seen some criticism for the game that, that I respect but maybe disagree with that calls the game nihilist. I actually think this game cares deeply uh, and has a lot to say about, about current society. It is it is modern politics meet like post-Soviet Union era uh, uh, Eastern uh, European nations. It, it, is, it is set in a fictional location, uh, but the way they tackle class warfare and, and the ways that unions can empower workers, but also um, the ways that some people could exploit 
uh, unions is also like so crucial to its plot. Um, I won't spoil how it how it plays out, but like, uh, I guess I guess one last thing I'll say. I, I'm being long on the tooth here. Um, to use John's phrase, um, is even though I really love the character you play as, I also love Kim uh, Katsurugi, who is like your uh, uh, partner in the game. He's like the one character who's really in your party. Uh, so to speak, but, like, he is from a, a rival uh, a district where you're kind of, like, in this, like, a crime happens in an area, I won't spoil it, and you are sent to solve it, but also so is Kim from a rival district because there's, like, a, a, a disagreement about whose right it should be. And so instead of instead of saying, I get the right to do this or he gets the right to do this, you just do the case together. Um, but Kim ends up being this character where he responds to your actions in a really smart way, um, and I like that he doesn't just let you get into this stuff, like, he does judge you. Um, but it's weird, like, he, he is a stereotypical cop in a lot of ways. He's, like, a moralist, um, to a fault at times. Um, but there are also, like, these really intimate moments, uh, without spoiling anything, there's a sequence where you're waiting for the passage of time. Um, and you can go sit on a bench and read a book to do it in-game to pass time, but I found a way that you can sit on a bench next to Kim. And you, you're constantly rolling dice in this game, like an RPG. Like, it gives you your odds of, like, what numbers you would want on a dice to roll it. And when you click it, and, and one of my things was to uh, blow the air between your lips. And then you're slowly rolling the dice more and more until you can whistle. And if you whistle and you successfully meet that check, you start to, you, you, it's like, it's something to the effect of, like, you whisper or, or, or you whistle out a sad tune. And then Kim joins you. And there's this moment where you're snowing. It's snowing, and, and you're looking over at, like, this decrepit city that's fallen apart uh, in a recession. Uh, and you and your partner are just whistling and you're in the midst of solving this crime and it's like I don't I don't know it just it it was a game that somehow managed to to hit the intimacy of a small community um and also people in a certain time and place but also feel like it applied I don't know it, it just um is a game that means so much to me and I, I it's only on PC right now I hope it comes to consoles um I think, I think they Elysium said they're, they're examining they, they, they that, said they're right? planning on trying to do it this year. Yeah. For, uh, yeah, I I would love for that to 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 be a thing. It is a game uh so text heavy, but it, it all feels so punchy. Um it, it's just something that that spoke to me deeply and and I love the way um I don't know. I just loved all of it. I just uh, think it's, it's refreshing to hear that there's a game out there not afraid to tell you, tell you hey, your political take is fucking bullshit. Yeah, I mean right, like that's everything with with RPGs in recent years which is like there is the, you know, so much of it is black and white in the games like The Witcher that, that delve into the gray. Um, but so few of those games are actually willing to challenge you. Like, this game is not afraid to break the fourth wall um, in a way that, like, I found at times confrontational and uncomfortable. But also, like, um, so so a, a fair, fair criticism with this game is, like, occasionally one of your dialogue options uh, will be, like, sexist or bigoted or, or otherwise something that, like, I obviously would find uh, uh, fucking terrible. I appreciate that those options are in the game, not because it gives you the flexibility, but because if you click those options, the game will, like, fucking call you out. Um, it's a game where, like, the options aren't just there for you to explore them. It is it is to make you think harder. Um, I, I think that this game cares deeply about, about the current politics of, of the United States, but also the world made by uh, European developers, uh, largely. Um, but... I mean, it's just, it. I don't often come on to SCGC and be like, you should absolutely play this one game. I don't care what your tastes are, you should play this one game, but like Disco Elysium is absolutely that. It is about a 20-hour experience. It could be a little longer if you want to tackle side projects. Um, the writing is strong, and, and I just I haven't played a game as Resident. I love Gears of War. I, I loved Apex Legends. I love Resident Evil 2. 
uh but nothing hit me like this Golizium hit me i have not known a single person to say anything really negative about this game at all which is super i'm sure there are negative takes and i'm sure they're valid like i i'm actually deeply curious to see how this game ate because I am someone, I was a lot younger, but I was someone who came out of Bioshock Infinite liking it, and years later, holy shit, I've got a long list of issues. So I'm, I'm so interested to see how this game ages. The um, only counterpoint right I've, I've heard from people, sorry to interrupt you, Zach, I was just going to no. say, the only, the only somewhat negative I saw, and maybe not a negative, is I just know some people were turned off by the wordiness of the game, like the amount yep. of dialogue and shit. the, the yeah, flowery that's, nature of it. Yep. That's the yep. only like pseudo-negative thing that I have heard. I, I would say that this game, and, and like to a point where I, I let it get away from it, the game is probably pretty fucking pretentious. It probably is. Um, but it fucking worked for me. I don't know. I, I liked it. And, I, and I, I'm not a fucking reader. I don't know, I don't know how many of you guys are, are like hardcore people who like open, crack a book a couple times a week. I am not one of those people. Um, but I, I played this game and beat it in like three or four days. Uh, did Reb have oh, wow. her hand up? I did. Yeah, I read it. Sorry, Reb. No, I was I would... just saying I read. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, Reb, is, Reb is one of the literate members of SDGC. <laughs> no, I the really want to play member. it. I really want to play it. I like have not. I have not had the budget to buy extra games beyond the ones that I have already bought for various other reasons. But I just I keep looking at it and I'm like, uh, like I have to. Tokyo Mirage Sessions comes out tomorrow. I got to get that and do some guides for it. So that's gonna eat up my time for a while. But I just keep looking over at Disco Elysium. Like I know I'm gonna. I know I will love this. I know it. Mm, I want to play it's it. So good, I'm, and I, I also like. And, and even if you don't like it, like I, I want to do a second playthrough when I get a chance and, and do a different build. Um, but okay, wait, wait, wait. Can I do two quick, two quick things in the game? There's some. So as I said, there are like these subcategories that go into like your emotions. I know we're running late on time. I'll shut the fuck up in a minute. Um, there are two things that I find really, really, really good in the game. Um, one of them is drama. You're, you can invest skill points in drama, but it's not just but it's not just like um uh, uh emotion. It is like your character is like into theatrics. Like your character will like do like like you will get prompts to do like dramatic gestures to like get reactions out of people. And it's like like your character like you can be an absolutely corny person, but also like there's this thing called um shivers shivers i think or yeah it's like but it's about being uh in tune with the the time and place that you are in in the game um there's actually a really weird skill check in the game around it but it is it is like this skill check where like you'll just be looking at something and the game will be like you'll be looking at a wall and your character will like just contemplate all of the history that that wall has seen and it's like this just like really weird like it doesn't really do anything to elevate like the plot it's just like I don't know, the game just gets caught up in its own bullshit in this way that's, like, really meditative, but also, like, pretty masturbatory, but, like, it's... I don't know. I mean, again, this game's pretentious as shit, but, like, I'm so interested to hear the rest of you play this. I mean, it's just easily one of my favorite games of all time. All I right. really I'm enjoyed enough. listening to you talk about it. Yeah, I've talked a real, too much. That was a really I have, I, 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 have, I, have, I have really enjoyed talking about it. Alright, well, I'll I, shut the fuck up. You have made it's... me... You have pushed me much further to the edge of just, I gotta just fucking cave and play. It's usually like 30 bucks on sale. You can usually yeah. find it on like somewhere. So Zach, I, 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 just, I would love for you to play it. I just want to say that every time I've heard about this game, like separately from your actual impressions, I've just been like, this is like one of the ultimate Zach games. <laughs> like yeah. from every, everything I've heard, like it just, uh, I'm, and I'm glad you liked it so much because it sounds like something that you would adore. Yeah. All right. Who's next? I think Reb was uh, the next person. Reb. That's Reb. Oh boy, yeah. This one, th I mean, you know, you all know my game of the year. I wrote a damn article about 
history, not biz. You can read it. Um, it's East Shade, of course. I played it early last year. Um, I think, you know, it, it feels kind of weird coming after Zach because I don't have any, like, deep political takes about this. Um, it's a game where you show up on an island. You have this player, unnamed player character. Um, you show up on an island called East Shade. Uh, your, your mother has passed away. That's kind of the premise. Uh, you, you are a painter, and your mother spent time on East Shade, and she was telling she told you kind of on her deathbed that, hey, you really should go to East Shade. There's some beautiful things to paint there. You'd find, like, peace and fulfillment there if you went. And you were always reluctant to go, but it was her dying wish, and so you went. Um, and that's the start of the game. You get kind of shipwrecked, but you land on East Shade, um, and you just go around the island and paint. It's basically a glorified screenshot mechanic, um, but you have, you need some materials. So you need like a canvas um, to paint with and uh, something else. What's the other thing? I think you actually need, you need to, oh, you have to make canvases. You need like wood and like fabric to do it. So you oh, need like cool. some, some materials. So you can't just paint fucking everything. And then the other thing you need is inspiration. Um, and you get inspiration by discovering new places, by like listening to characters talk, by completing quests. Like there's various ways to get it. Um, and then there's also money. And those are like the three video gamey ass mechanics of East Shade. But aside from that, it's it's not very video gamey. It's really just walking around this island and looking like every. It is brilliantly designed in that visually everything is something you want to paint. You are at any given moment either looking right at like, oh fuck, this is a lovely landscape painting, or you're like a couple steps to the left of one. Like if I just move over here, this would be like the perfect view. Like literally every moment, except for maybe when you're in a town talking to someone, is like a beautiful view. Um, and really that's it. Like your goal is to, I think there are four main uh like visual things on the island that your mother has requested that you paint. And when you complete all four, you can get on a boat and leave the island and that's the end of the game. Sorry, spoilers. It's There's a little more to it than that, but that that is basically it. Um, and th a couple of them are kind of gated uh, behind different things you could do. Like you need money to cross this bridge to get to a certain part of the island. Um, at some point you do have to kind of go around the back of an island to get to this glacier. Um, th there are a few like kind of gated things but really, for the most part, you can tackle anything in any order, and you just walk around listening to the stories of all of the characters on this island. Um, they are all anthropomorphic, like, bears and, like, monkeys and different, like, strange animals. Uh, and th there's, like, an owl character. Um, and they're just wonderful. And they all just, like, have these lives. It's this island where... Everyone's pretty chill. There's a lot of scholarship. There's a giant library with the, this beautiful sunlight filtering in through the windows. Um, there, everybody really likes tea. There's a secret tea drinking society. And then there's like kind of a cult that basically the whole point of the cult is they just drink tea and have cool dreams. Like that's the cult. Um, they don't do anything cool. with it and they don't hurt anybody. But then there's like a lady who's mad about the cult and trying to dismantle it. And you can sabotage the cult if you want it. Like, I don't know why anyone would ever do that, but you can. Um, there's like scientists who are trying to do science. Um, there are, there's a, a like funny, they do. yeah, there's like a funny little <laughs> as, quest where as scientists a, are want to do. Yeah. There's like a bear who uh, wants you to help him prank his brother because his brother hates grape flavored tarts. And he wants you to pretend to deliver him some raspberry tarts, but they're actually grape tarts and you're going to ha ha fool him. Ha ha. Um, but, but that's the 
game. Like that that's really the game. And it's just wandering from kind of scenery to scenery. Um, there's this beautiful town you can paint. There there are these like kind of uh there's this forest at the very beginning of the game and the kind of this old like rundown ruin of a town that's just like beautiful. There's like water flowing through it. There's a tower that maybe has a ghost in it, maybe it doesn't. There are these beautiful fields with um just the, this grassland and these gorgeous windmills. There's a forest of trees with like pink flowers. Uh, there's kind of the back of the island is a little bit icy and there's this just massive glittering glacier and kind of maybe a mystery involved there. Um, but it's just, it's really, really low key. And you can kind of just jump through it in a couple hours and hit the high points and call it good. Um, but there's just a lot... I think the thing that I love the most about Eshade is how very much, so much of it was for its own sake. There is a point in the game where you can, you see all these posters up around the town and there's basically a bard performing in the the tea tavern um, that you can go listen to at a particular time. So there's a, there's a time, an in-game clock um, and you go to the inn and you go up there and there's not really anything to do in the end. There's a couple people to talk to, but you can just sit in a chair um, and at, at like 8 p.m. or whatever time it is, the bard shows up and she gets up front and she just starts telling a story and she tells a different story every night. I think there's like six or seven different stories. Uh, the story I got was the story of this witch who uh, like a man spurned her and like she ended up getting in all kinds of trouble from like just really horrible people. But she had a bunch of spider friends who saved her. Um, it was seriously like a 10 minute long story. Like wow. no, th there, no nothing going on just me, no visuals just me looking at this woman standing up at the front of the room telling this long ass story but it was so well written and well well voiced well told and it very much had the quality of a local myth like it, it really it, if i didn't know man. any if i didn't know any better i would say that this was a myth pulled from some culture i just didn't know about like a legit myth that some culture held and it was so beautiful. And I just sat there and I listened to the whole story and I didn't get anything for it. I think I might've gotten a point of inspiration like one minute into the story, but I could have walked away at any point and got, but I got nothing out of it. I just really enjoyed it. And there are so many moments like that in East Shade that are just moments for their own sake. Like you just stand there and you look at something because it's nice and peaceful or you do a quest, not like, like there's no, there's not a lot. Most of the quests don't really, there are some that push the story forward in a particular way or like like get you towards your eventual destination but most of them are just kind of for their own sake um there are, it, it just is like for itself and i i needed that that last early last year i i was having a rough early year last year um some stuff went on and so just being able to sort of relax into this world and just enjoy things that i already enjoy like i love i love goofy animals and tarts and and tea <laughs> And, and pretty pretty scenery and, and things like that. I mean, it's very cozy. And I love cozy games. And it just, I don't know. I There was never a moment, it's like 10 hours long, never a moment in any shade where I was unhappy or bored or frustrated. I was just happy start to finish. And I want more games that make me feel that way. Like, I don't, I don't, after playing that, I don't really know that I want to play mid I'm bored or annoyed or unhappy for long periods of time. That's a really great breakdown, Reb. Yeah, let's Shane. You know, uh, Stormageddon in chat mentioned this, and I know that it's kind of a trope at this point, but this sounds like it would be really good on the Switch. 
just like lay in bed and have like a hot cup of tea and like pull a blanket over <laughs> yourself and just just play e-shade in bed it sounds like it was made for the switch it recently mm. got ported to some consoles right? it's, on it's on ps4, PS4 and Xbox i know One. that okay i think okay. it'd be great for the wii u gamepad like drawing yeah painting a little stylus yeah. the switch yeah, has a touch screen doesn't it it does, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I have a stylus for it, too. Yeah, so. I mean, you don't need... There isn't any painting. Like, it's just a screenshot mechanic. I I thought I would hate that. Honestly, I think it's kind of better because it means that the mechanic of painting is not trying to paint well. It's trying <laughs> to, like, line up the shot. It's like taking a good photo more. Um, also, you can, like, drink different kinds of tea to change, like, the color and contrast of your vision. So you can get, like, real weird and high on tea. It's great. <laughs> that's awesome that's all yeah, okay. i who's, loved it so much who's next that would be me i believe is that you derek yes all uh, right and then, and then derek, i think it goes it? finn and then jeff and then you okay so um right. so my game of the year um it's probably not a surprise i've been talking about it a lot uh is outer wilds um not the outer worlds which is the game right. from the uh former fallout new vegas devs that is very fallout style uh, but Outer Wilds, um, which came out much, much earlier in the year. Um, Outer Wilds is this lovely game um, where you are, you are basically exploring the universe, or you're exploring this, this solar system, um, and every, I think it's 22 in-game minutes, um, the sun goes supernova and the game ends, and you have to go back to the start. So you have this Groundhog Day loop where you are, uh, flying around the solar system and, you know, landing on all these planets and exploring and trying to find out kind of the mystery of uh, this alien race that, that kind of came before yours and what's going on with the sun. And um, there's not really like a... When the game starts, there's not anything to do but explore and learn. Um, and as the game goes on, it kind of leads you to build towards some actual goals um but it's it's just a lovely game um it is incredibly creative because all of the different planets change as time goes on from the beginning of a like time cycle to the end of that time cycle so for example you have two planets um that are like well really like two planetoids that circle each other and one is the they're the hourglass twins uh and one is the ash twin and one is the ember twin um and all the the ash twin is is covered in sand it's almost entirely sand and as the the 22 minute cycle goes on more and more sand leaves one and goes to the other so at the very beginning if you rush there's all of these caves and areas to explore and things to do on the first planet but it begins to fill up over time with sand blocking off areas that you can't you can now no longer get to but opening up certain caves that you couldn't have have reached before due to not having like a high enough floor to get there but the other planet is now losing sand and showing more and more of what was buried beneath that sand. And every planet has something going on that changes it dynamically over time. So you've got to constantly go back to all these places and explore all these different things at different points in time. Um, and it's a very fun exploration, no combat kind of game. Uh, but I think what really resonated with me is it starts off as just this fun, quirky, weird, like we're going to space and the sun's blowing up and we're we're going to explore the planets. And 
And over time, Outer Wilds begins to instill this real sense of of kind of almost depression um, as you meet yeah. these other characters. I don't know if anyone else here played it. Um, I played a little bit, didn't finish it. Yeah, as you meet other other um, explorers, uh, you know, there's a couple of other explorers, one on each planet that have previously been sent out, um, and basically everyone's failing. Um, and, and no one can figure out what's going on. Um, and you're the only person carrying any knowledge over from run to run. And you can't find out how to stop the sun from exploding. Um, and you keep getting led towards ideas and then finding out that you're wrong or led towards solutions and finding out that they already tried that and it didn't work. Um, or, or being led towards what you think a cause might be and finding out that wasn't a cause, um, and there's this very sort of feeling of, of, of helplessness and resignation. Um, and you kind of push forward to, to keep discovering because there's still more to learn. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a beautiful, I don't know, like it, it resonates very much with me to get political for a moment. Um, you know, the world's kind of fucking burning. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm ever going to if it's going to be feasible for me to ever have a child. Um, and I don't know how much of the world is going to be here as I grow up and how much any of this is going to matter. If the world is still here, uh, I can't save for retirement. What am I going to do? Will, will social security be there for me? Or am I just going to be a hungry old person dying in a ditch? Cause I couldn't afford my mortgage payment. Like that, that feeling of like, Oh, there's no solution. And there's an inevitable end coming at some point um and there's nothing i can do about it but i gotta keep going anyway um in a weird way without really talking about that stuff at all um outer wilds through this exploration of like the heat death of the universe and your your drive to explore really explores that kind of very millennial sense of helplessness um and by the end of it um it's it's just it's devastating. It's beautiful. It's haunting, um, and I I don't think I'll ever be able to forget it. the The final run, the f basically once you've done, you've figured out like everything, and you know what the thing, the one thing you've got to do is. That final time cycle is maybe one of the most impactful things I've done in a game this whole decade. So, uh, Outer Wilds, please play it because it it needs your love and your attention and also derek really quick one thing from chat somebody wants to know what your favorite planet is oh um mm, oh that's hard uh there is a planet uh with a black hole in the very center and as time goes on bits of the crust begin falling into the black hole so more and more of the hollow center is exposed uh and there's areas that are really tricky to actually navigate to both with your ship and on foot uh, yes, Brittle Hollow. Um, or no, not Brittle Hollow. Brittle, no, Bramblethorn's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, Brittle, Brittle Hollow. Um, and it's it's just very good world design. I mean, all of them have really good world design, but I fucking love um, Brittle Hollow. But it's hard because there's only like four or five planets total, um, plus a couple other smaller locations, and each one has so much care and uniqueness put into it that I could name all these cool things that happen to me on each one. But... Like, you don't want to spoil the experiences because you've got to play the game and you've got to have it happen to you and you've got to go, holy shit. 
that was awesome, you know? Yeah, so. I think something lovely. Yeah. I have I have not played Outer Wilds. I'm not. I would like to. I don't know if I'll ever get to it. But something that has been lovely about the conversation surrounding it is, even though I've heard. I've heard about the same two or three things kind of referenced by a lot of people talking about the game, but I, I haven't, I can't wrap my head around it. Like I don't, I don't feel spoiled. There's so little to talk way. about that won't spoil it. Yeah. So we can't, we have to keep quiet or we'll spoil like I, everything. Yeah. Like I don't. And it demands I, to I'm be experienced intrigued. fresh. I'm intrigued. It sounds wonderful. I want to try it, but I also don't think that I understand it and that's good. I don't want to understand yeah. it going in. I like that. It's on Game Pass for people who want to try it. Is it only it might it might only be on the con of I don't X think it's on PC. On it's on PC, but my understanding is it's not on Game Pass for PC. Um ah, I got it okay. through the Epic Game Store. I think it it was Epic Game Store exclusive. I don't know if it's also gone to the Microsoft Store yet or not. Um but it's it's not on Steam. I know that. But I mean Word. buy it, play it. It's good. Or put on the all-in-one Xbox Entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 and it, the it Xbox family PS4. system, as we like to call it, Zach. It did hit PS4 a couple months ago. I grabbed it then. I haven't played much of it, but bring it to Switch. Bring it to Switch. That might be hard. That <laughs> might be I, difficult. I, I, yeah, that's what I've heard. No. Game. <laughs> it okay. shoves a little on PC. Finn, talk to me about your game of the year. If it's on, not Disco Elysium, what is it? Um. Well, it's a. Uh... The game that I'm surprised I haven't heard yet, but I can't fault anybody not talking about it, uh, unless Justin was about to. I am going for Control. Ooh, good pick. I I talked about it a while ago. Yeah. Ben. Okay. <laughs> you gotta remember that he's Talk monitoring. Anyway, why did you love yeah, it? Yeah, tell, yeah. Tell us why you loved it anyway, Finn. Um, I didn't get to play nearly as many video games this year as normal, and uh. There was just something about this game that was one part like really intriguing storyline and, and and everything, and one part just the best Jedi game that came out this year. Everything about the the combat I thought was just really well done, and considering that I also played Quantum Break, uh, that was just a really nice thing to see. I like the open world design and the way the uh, the Metroid esque uh, exploration factored in with different abilities. Um, I don't know, man. Control. It was there. There was a, a moment where you fought inside a refrigerator that I'll never really forget. What? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up, Reb. <laughs> Without yeah, any Reb, context, you not that's do just the side crazy. stuff. Not yeah, yet. All no. The side stuff. <laughs> The, the, well, the care that this game puts into its side quests is more than most games put into their actual game. Yay. Yeah, cool. it's a good-ass video game. I need to play this game True. soon. I've got it. It's on the to-do list. I just... It, it has been waiting. I think it's coming up very soon for me, though. I want a second Finn's point to say point to say that it is the best Star Wars video game we got in 2019. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, All right, Jeff. What is your game of the year? Oh, uh, I just wanted to throw out there, Zach, I really pouring alcohol a minute ago. Listen. It was beautiful. I'm thirsty. <laughs> thirsty That's not helping, but... No. All right. My Jeff, game of the year. Your... Yeah, tell us, Jeff. Um, uh, I don't know if this is cheating. Um, I don't think it it's is. It's cheating. 
<laughs> Perhaps already set against There are no Halo cops two. to arrest you, it's fine. <laughs> Halo 2. The thing about my game of the year, um, is it's a broad umbrella. It's got a, a few games in it. Um, <laughs> but I'll just get to it. Uh, my game of the year, this is not only my game of the year, this is now, and I reserve the right to change my mind. Game of the year is Windows 98! <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't quote me on this, don't call me out uh, if I change my mind, but right now, my game of the year of 2019, and my favorite game of all time, is Final Fantasy XIV. Yes! All of it, but especially right. Shadowbringers. Um, Excellent. Excellent choice. And so, I, you know, I need to ex explain this a little bit. I need to explain how good this game is. I'm not an MMO person. I've played a lot of MMOs, and the way I play MMOs is I play 15 hours, I get to like level 15 or 20, and then I check out, I get bored. That sounds about right, uh, yeah. And I did that three times with Final Fantasy XIV uh, over the years. You know, I tried it when it came out in, was it 2013 when they relaunched it? 2.0? Like yeah. Um, you know, I tried it again, and I just kind of get a little bit far, and then I try to go back to it years later. I'm like, I don't remember how to play this. Start over. Um, and I don't know. I just, uh, last year was a tough year for me financially. I couldn't buy a lot of games. So I was like, you know what? I'll drop 15 bucks and I'm just going to play this game. I had nothing else going on. It was a lull in the summer. There was no really new releases. And I put 250 hours into this game uh, between July and November. And again, to give context to that, other than that, my most played game is Skyrim at like 100 hours. And then I've never put more than 50 hours into a game. So like for me to put this amount of time into this game alone speaks to how good it is. Um, now this is also a tough one because people hear how much I love it and you'd think I'd recommend it, but like, I don't recommend it to a lot of people because <laughs> it's an, like, for every, all the, it, for it, all it the is, it is, an, it is it, an MMO. It is an MMO. It is an MMO ass MMO is how I described it earlier. If you do not like the gameplay of MMOs, you probably will not like uh, the gameplay of 14. That said, I have played a decent number of MMOs. I've tried World of Warcraft, Star Wars Galaxies, um, Star Wars The Old Republic. Uh, I tried a bit of Guild Wars. Like, I, I've dipped my toes in enough of them that I know that if you do like MMOs, this is one of the better playing ones. It feels good, and it's fun, and it's uh, satisfying. Um, the other problem is the story. Uh, I enjoyed the base story from the original um, relaunch of the game. A Realm Reborn is what it's called. That's, like, kind of your level 1 to 50 story. But... Uh, it's got some really bad, it's just inconsistent. There's some fun, lighthearted stuff, and then there's just some, like, uh, it's meandering. It's all over the place. It takes forever. There's a hundred quests you have to do between finishing the base game and getting to the first expansion, and they are just, you know, again, I like them, but looking at it objectively, they're just teleport from one location to another, talk to a person, go back. Like, it's, it's mind-numbing stuff, and it sucks that you have to get past it took me i think 40 or 45 hours to get through all this and i like rushed through it and it sucks that you have to get through all this um, but when you do you get to the expansions heaven's ward um sh sh sorry uh, stormblood and shadowbringers and uh just in the context of my game of the year talk i'm only going to talk about shadowbringers shadowbringers in my opinion now remember i i haven't played the nintendo super nintendo final fantasies i'm a, a newer fan and you know i've played seven eight nine ten uh just recently 12 and 15 so from the games i've played this is shadowbringers is the best final fantasy narrative it's really um good. it has amazing characters it has amazing music it has amazing locations it's everything you want out of a final fantasy game uh final fantasy 7 was my favorite game of all time up until this game and the villain of shadowbringers Amazon oh. 
Sephiroth to shame. Yeah, like, Emmett, Emmett Selk is a top three Final yeah, Fantasy he, villain. He doesn't like, play his full cards until near the end of the game, but when he does, it is, oh, it's it so is just good. so good. And I, again, I wish I could talk more about it without spoiling the game, but I would never want to do that for anyone. Yeah. Jeff, um, yeah. Jeff, just really quick, for people, I don't know if you just said this or not, I, um, but if if I or someone listening wanted to get into this day, how accessible is that game? Um, my, because it's... My, yeah, so there, sorry to interrupt you. Um, no. There's a, few, I, there's a few options. You can do a story skip, which will basically uh, complete everything story-related, like main story quests, up till Shadowbringers. Uh, but I think along with that, you basically have to buy the level skip, which will give you a max level character. The problem with that is you don't learn... The game does a really good job of easing you into it and learning things along the way. And I, yeah. I haven't tried it, but I feel like it would be really hard. You could do it, but it would be a lot of effort to understand uh, both the story and the mechanics starting from that point. I really do think you need to start um, from the beginning. So what I would say to people who are interested in it is um, they've said that they're going to go and create like a Redux rework of the base game, whether uh, remove some filler, change some quests and stuff like that. Um, so I would say, I, I think it's a ways off, but if you're not in a rush, I think it's worth holding off. Um, because I'd be really interested in this. I think that is going to, they know that's a huge barrier, and I think it's going to make it um, a lot easier for, for people to get into the game. So, Hell of a comeback story for that game as well. Just Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that game was dead in the water, and now it's uh, the second biggest MMO in the world. Um, yeah. And then the last thing I want to say is, even though I just said this is an MMO-ass MMO, uh, in terms of gameplay, it is, but... I don't play multiplayer games very much, and I definitely don't want to play games with other people. Um, I played this entire game from start to finish completely by myself. I didn't group up with a friend once. Um, there's the, uh, you know, every few levels or so you have to do a main story quest dungeon. They've got a duty finder. Yes, um, depending on like what type of character you're playing, you might have to wait 20 or 30 minutes sometimes to get into a dungeon but hey that's what a switch is for you know you just chill and play your switch while you're waiting to get grouped up with someone um but it's nice that it has that feature the community uh with the exception of like one or two people was extremely nice extremely helpful yeah. uh i was willing to learn uh and generally in my experience um people were very eager to help and teach and mentor and the game has a lot of systems that encourage that as well so uh you know it just plays like a good single player Final Fantasy story-based game. So, you know, if if that's your concern, like, that you're worried about playing by yourself, I would say don't. It's it's not a problem. You'll be fine. Word. So, just, just to kind of piggyback off that real quick, um, Shadowbringers is... Uh, I'll, I'll just agree with Jeff. It's one of the best Final Fantasy... And this is coming from somebody who played every single Final Fantasy game and every single Final Fantasy spinoff just about... Uh, it's one of the best. It has one of the best narratives uh, of the entire series, and the villain Emmett Selk is right up there with uh, guys like Kefka for me. Like he's just a v extremely well-written villain. Um, and like Jeff said, by the time he plays his cards at the end, uh, it, it's just it's it's not it's 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 just I can't I can't say anything else without spoiling it. But and Ardbert, like uh, so, Ardbert is kind of the. Um... Not your player character, but other than you, he's kind of like, uh, would you call him the protagonist, John? Yeah. Or? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you learn a lot of the story kind of through him and his stories and what happened to his companions and stuff like that. And the same thing, the way, the way it slowly doles out those little bits of information and uh, you learn more about the world and what happened to him is, uh, yeah. 
I hear it too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, Jeff, that was great. I fucking love, I fucking love Shadowbringers. I love Final Fantasy XIV. Um, okay, I guess it's my turn, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, wrap it up, John. Yeah, I'll wrap it up. One, wrap do it you up. feel the, the tension and fear? Everyone's scared. <laughs> it's going to be Basrit Ball. Basrit Ball! Basrit Ball! So obviously, my game of the year is Crypt of the Serpent King. Um, I just, no. <laughs> so, we beat that um, motherfucker, though. There were a lot of games I loved this year. I loved Resident Evil 2. I loved Shadowbringers. I loved uh, Link's Awakening. I loved Fire Emblem. Uh, I loved Luigi's Mansion. There were so many good games this year uh, that I loved. Um, but I knew the minute I finished Sayonara Wild Hearts uh, that it was my game of the year. Wow. Um, and uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, you can get through Sayonara Wild Hearts in about uh, an hour and a half. Uh, about an hour and a half. Uh, two hours if you are uh, if you're kind of taking your time and, and, you know, dying a lot. Uh, but my wife has been living in extreme amounts of pain for several years now. Uh, and much like me, uh, she has been dealing with uh, anxiety and depression. Um, she can, she walks with a cane now. Uh, she's in, she's in a lot of pain. And she has been, she, I, I get the sense sometimes that she feels like she has lost a part of herself uh, or that she's not quite the person that she used to be. Uh, no matter how many times I try to tell her that I can still see the, I can still see the woman I married uh, in her. Um, uh, but that like, you know, that it, coming from me, that's, that's a pretty cold comfort, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, you know, she, she feels the way she does. Um, and when I finished uh, Sinar Wild Hearts, um, uh, there was uh, there's a at the end basically, and I've, I pulled up the lines here. Um, there's a uh, you know you're playing as the fool, and you know you're you're a woman and you're falling down through through space, um, and then there are words that say. Uh, then the voices of the three divine arcana echoed from the beyond, and through the wind their words soared. From the shards of a broken heart, a real heroine has risen. You have restored the lost harmony of our world, and now and how and now you must go and find harmony in your own. Sayonara, wild heart. For years she fell through spirals of sadness and anger until she could fall not fall any deeper and fell right back into her groove. And then there's a woman just sitting in her room playing her guitar, and she's uh, at peace with herself. Um, and and uh, you know that made me realize that that's. That's what I want for my wife. You know, that's what I want for Vicky um, because I love her more than anything else in this world, uh, except for, except for my son. Um, and I just want her to, I just want her to find herself again. And it hurts. It sucks knowing that I, there's not a whole lot I can do to help her uh, do that. It's something that she is going to have to do on her own but that game the ending of that game especially once once i saw what the ending was and once i realized what the whole game actually was it was just a woman trying to find herself again spiritually um it really resonated with me like a game has not done in years and it's the reason that i will not play it again um much like uh what remains of edith finch i feel like the impact of it would be greatly lessened on me uh, if I played through it again. And so I want to carry those memories with me. I want to carry, I want to carry the feelings uh, and the emotions that that game put in my mind and my heart. Um, 
and I don't want to lose that. I don't want to let go of that. So I'm not going to touch it again. I'm just going to appreciate what it meant to me. I'm going to appreciate uh, what it made me want for my wife and leave it at that. But that's my game of the year, Sayonara Wild Hearts. It's a really great pick, John. Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's a game I haven't finished it yet, but I'll visit it. Um John, John, I just want to say I love listening to you two talk about games because so often you have like a personal connection that you make to them, and yeah. I don't know. I just know like it. I really, I really do like listening to it. I, uh, I feel like when I talk about games, I'm like graphics good and shooting good, like, gun feels good. You know, I, I just love the, some of the insight you bring to them sometimes. So, oh, John, thanks, yeah, John, I'm really glad you talked about this game because this is one that I really wanted to talk about, but it was just. And I, I, was, I thought you were going to talk about it, which is actually why. So I'm really glad you did, um, because I knew how much you connected with it. And it, it the game meant a whole lot to me, too. I, re, I really, really enjoyed um, It's one that I would recommend to basically anyone. And you can finish it's it in an hour hard. and a half. I mean, Yeah, it's an hour and a half. Yeah. It's fun. It's uplifting. It's a real good time. I, I mean, I guess that's how I wanted to ask John, too. Like, obviously, it resonated with you personally but uh one john i want to know what your relationship is to that genre of because i would not peg you as a fan of that genre but also and i think this is the biggest curveball and, and i mean it's really is queen latifah actually like felt like it was like a, a genuinely good add to that game yeah no like, so like, yeah it's weird so the game so the game is basically like and the reason i think that queen latifah is feels like such a natural fit is because the game is basically an hour and a half long music video right like that's that's what it it's is like a playable uh, album with, exactly right? it's a yeah. playable that's a great way to put it um and so that's why i feel that the inclusion of queen latifah and and like like her involvement in the game is is minimal like there's not the she's the narrator but there's not a whole lot of narration in the game um you know i i feel like the game really lets its visuals and its message speak for itself um this usually is not my kind of game zach you're absolutely right about that uh, but when I saw, uh, it was you and Maddie actually checking it out last year at PAX, or, or was, yeah, it was last year at PAX East. Justin, Justin was too. the yeah, main pusher, oh, I it think. was Justin, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, I, that was, that was a game I had heard of before, and I played it at PAX East and was absolutely blown away by it. Um, it was the game I awarded, um, my best of PAX last year, too, um, and I, I was excited for it all year, and I absolutely loved it. I think if I had to say what my number three was, um, I think it was... It's just a fucking fantastic a... game. Fuck it. Like, I'll never play it again for the reasons I stated, but that's okay. You know? Like, and I'm somebody who can play... You guys know I can play the games I love, like, over and over and over and not get... To... How many uh, times did you play RE2? I just fi I just finished like my seventh playthrough of it, <laughs> so so yeah like I like games I love are like therapy to me you know it's like oh, okay I need to play something I love but Sayonara Wild Hearts is was is a little different like I loved it but you know it's not something that I like like once was enough like I just I don't want to lessen the impact of it. That's how I felt about Florence honestly. Really? Yeah yeah that's yeah. A, that's yeah. another good one. Like, I, mean, I think part of it was because that one hit me in a very I played that this year didn't I. Um, that one hit me in a very, very personal way. Um, but also, yeah, like it was, it was emotional and good. And I walked out of that feeling catharsis and I, I don't want to play it again. The music's great. I got it on, a, I got it on a record, but I, I don't think I could play it again. 
Well, that's our uh, that's our game of the year show, and um, wow, a lot of diversity in those picks. Honestly, yeah, no, I'm actually really impressed with the range of of everybody's choices. Uh, that was really cool to see, and I'm so glad Jeff gave Final Fantasy 14 some love uh, because oh, it's, it's oh, good. Um, I'm actually going to be on it after this, Jeff, if you're around. You're staying awake, monster. Why yeah. would anyone not go to bed? I don't want to go to bed. Can we finally talk about Halo 2? Yeah, sure. Let's <laughs> no. What to say about Halo 2? <sighs> I, I listen. Zach's, Here's I the problem. I don't want him to say anything about Halo 2. <laughs> I thought Beaver Creek is one of the best small-scale multiplayer maps for split screen of all time. I can I can mute him. I can mute him right now. I'm sure it is. This is just such a weird tangent. Why did this come up? Why is I don't know. I don't know. I like. Listen. I can do it. What happened? I can mute him right now. Still got a little bit of the hoarseness in my. We're all clearly a little bit tired. Zach might be a little bit drunk. I think very. number three. I think I think I think Zach is just delirious. Uh, that is really into get Halo Two talk. I just they, yeah, they really yeah. So so I'll tell you what. Why don't we just uh what go and stay here? Halo cast. Uh, he can he can do his thing with uh, Zach. By the way, oh, what is that hat you're wearing? By the way, what's what's the uh? It's called a baseball cap, John. No, I know what the <laughs> fuck it is. <laughs> what's the brand? John doesn't know what non beanie hats are. What's the branding, <laughs> you assholes? Um, it is, it is, it is made out of, uh, no, like the branding, classic Zach. baseball fab. It, it's classic baseball, like wool. Zach, material. is it a game fuel hat? It is not a game fuel hat. I got it at a, drunk. I got it at a Bon Iver concert. Zach. Zach's fucking boy. Zach's really no, no, no. Dead. <laughs> Zach. <laughs> Y'all, it is 1050. Zach's it is, got a fucking gamer hat long, on. long show. You know how much money I paid for this hat? John, you don't have a fucking gamer hat on. Gonna, <laughs> this is a gamer beanie. It's a beanie, not I'm going to cut you all <laughs> off if we don't wrap this show up. All right. I have that hat. power. Let's let's wrap this shit. Let's, let's wrap this Go the Thank fuck to so sleep. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to... 2019 game of the year episode this was great a lot of good choices uh please don't forget i'm gonna hammer it home so nobody forgets it uh paxis is coming up not only are we doing our panel there the first ever stgc panel but we are also going to be doing a meetup because i know that we have uh, a bunch of people who watch and listen to us who will be there uh and as soon as we determine the day and time for the meetup uh that is uh we will let you know um does anybody have anything else before we get out of here no no no. I love you okay. all. All right. Well, hey, it's not always poetry. We don't always agree, but so take care of each other. Bye bye. I love that cut you cut out. out. I love that cut, cut out. out. Did I cut out? But... It's okay. We love out. you all. Bye. Bye.